Emerging writers, welcome. We're so glad to have you join us again as we finish up our month of video games. Uh, my name is Stephanie, and I'm once again joined by my husband, Michael. By me again. Yeah, so we actually weren't able to get Brandon and Jordan to join us because it turns out that they had lives and were really busy. So it'll just be us. Um, I might try to drag Jordan in at some point before the end of this month or episode or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But Michael and I are going to talk about The Legend of Zelda, I guess, because it's my favorite franchise and I've played most of those games. But for the sake of talking about one specifically so we can kind of go into its story and how it was presented, we're going to talk about Breath of the Wild because it was, you know, it was fun. It was, it was a game I played. The, one of the few I've seen all the way to the end. Well, I've played all the handheld ones, though, but those don't really, they're not, I don't know. And I mean, I we've, we've both played through Ocarina of Time, but that feels like such a such an easy game to talk about, you know, and everyone already knows everything about Ocarina of Time. Except for me. Especially you. I just know right? how to beat it. Right? So anyway, um, Breath of the Wild takes an interesting turn as far as how the story is presented. Nintendo took the feedback it was getting from fans on like, what they were looking for in a game because the game that that had come out most recently before that uh i think like the big game was skyward sword and it was a fun game but it was super linear it was one of the most linear if not the most linear zelda game and it had a nice story and it told it very cohesively and it had some really good characters but one of the staples for The Legend of Zelda was having some sort of exploration. The very first game was super open-ended. Like, you could go to literally any dungeon at any time. You might die because you're not prepared at all, but you could do it. But in the first first one, you could? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, if you discovered oh, yeah, it. Yeah, we played it. Never mind. Yeah, and, and we came across dungeons that were way above our pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just remember them being locked. For some reason. So some of them some might of them, have been, but then I guess I just wasn't paying that much attention. Some of them were, and you had to like go find the right item, but others you could go in and you just couldn't really do much in it because you didn't have the right item, but you were still able to like access it. Once the stories became more straightforward, like natural, um, typical storytelling, then the games got more linear. Uh, by the time you got to like a link to the past they kind of found their formula for the for the story and then uh ocarina of time really capitalized on that and grounded it and now that's what everyone thinks of when they think of zelda now i'm learning too <laughs> yeah zelda is probably the the franchise that i love the most out of video games so i know the most about it definitely one you're the most familiar with yeah it was the first game, it wasn't the first video game I ever played that was tossed up between whichever Grand Theft Auto was out at the time or very different <laughs> or Crash Bandicoot. I don't know which one was the first one I touched on console, but it was between it's one the, of those. It's either the most lovable, harmless game ever made or it was the worst game ever made, 
with drugs and killing and prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one it was, but they both happened in the same time period of me going over to my babysitter's house and playing their Xbox. Very so. good. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if it was Grand Theft Auto since my first game was Mortal Kombat when I was... <laughs> Three years old, I played the game that introduced the rating system to games because people were like, you can't just kill people in games. And it turns out now that's all you can do in games. Yeah, you know, it's all it's all good, family friendly, wholesome stuff. Yeah, but I digress. So anyway, yeah, uh, Zelda is what, as I've mentioned before, if anybody has listened to those episodes, it's what introduced me to my love of... Uh, medieval times and fantasy in general so there's that and actually got me interested in video games whereas i just like it yeah to the normal degree it, that anyone would. it's important to me it's just a game to you yeah it's just <laughs> something that i beat when i was a kid yeah and then played all the i don't know why i played all of the game boy ones but virtually none of the fun. but at the same time virtually none of the like main installments yeah i don't know how you managed to to do that like i played a link to the past so that's the earliest one that I played that was like part of the like core franchise. Mm-hmm. And then every Game Boy game and then Ocarina of Time and then tried Majora's Mask for a little bit. And I was like, nah, I don't know. And then I don't think I touched any of them after that. I think that turned me away from the rest no, of it. No, you played Wind Waker because of me. Yeah, but that was way later. Yeah, it was way later. Because <laughs> we had been playing. Uh... I actually don't remember. Did you play? Did you beat Wind Waker? No, I, I feel got like, like you got bored. 20 minutes into it and I was like I can see why people like it, but I don't really care. Yeah, it wasn't my it didn't favorite. Didn't seem bad. It was with the the cartoonish style that they took with it. I I just feel like if they would have made it wackier and dedicated to it more, like if they would have made the tone visually match what it looked like, mm. then I probably would have had more fun with it. But it was like pretty standard Zelda experience mixed with like super ridiculous cartoon cell shading and mm-hmm. Then again, I I didn't get very far, so I don't know that it stayed like that. I did not have a GameCube, so I didn't get to play Wind Waker until the Wii U came out. And I actually got the Wind Waker edition of the Wii U. So I was like, well, I mean, it's barely more money and I get a cool Zelda themed one. And then I can finally play a game that I never gave a chance because I was on Twilight Princess bandwagon, I guess. (laughs) Also because I had a Wii and I could play twilight princess couldn't you play gamecube games on the wii yeah i just never bought it because i didn't care about it but yeah you could so i didn't play it until the wii u and in that edition you could get a better sale that let you sail faster faster well you could sail faster (laughs) which uh i think made the game more bearable to me because i hated sailing (laughs) Which is, I think is what were the things that people like the most in it, right? Yeah. Like, it's so, so open and cool. And I was like, it's empty and it's boring. So peaceful and explorative. I was like, there's nothing here. I would way rather ride my horse around in a, an uneventful field than sail around on an uneventful sea. Or ocean, depending on what it was. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, Breath of the Wild because that's what we said we were going to talk about. So Nintendo took some feedback from people and realized that a lot of their fans wanted something that was more explorative again and wanted something more open world. And so they looked back to their roots and were like, let's go back to what Zelda started as. So 
I mean, that's what they did. They they created a world where you could go literally anywhere at any time and you could trigger any of the story elements in any order. So that made for a story that wasn't linear at all. And it put some interesting restrictions on them because they had to make a story that made sense by getting each individual piece potentially out of order. Which ultimately really led to the story just kind of feeling underwhelming a lot of the time because yeah, because you were being told like the same one quarter of what was happening mm-hmm. over and over. Mm-hmm. And nobody could say like what was what the next step was going to be because they didn't know what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. I think for what they were trying to do, it made sense to tell it as like an amnesiac trying to like put the pieces together again. Um, but to me, it didn't feel very effective at telling me a story that I really cared about. And I didn't really connect with any of the characters. I don't even remember any of their names. Who's the bird guy? I can't confidently say that I am thinking of the right name. So, like, give me a second here. His name is... Rivali. Yeah. He was basically Falco. Yeah. From Star Fox. Yeah, and he just hates Link. Uh, We don't really know why. They don't actually explore any of the characters' personalities, motivations, interests. You just know that he's very prideful. (laughs) That's it. I thought they did. They don't, though. They don't really delve into any character specifics. I mean, you get you get flashbacks with each of the characters. But that's about it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. So you have to get like their their backstory and their personality all in like 30-ish seconds of Link remembering something about them. Yep, pretty much. The only character who gets any sort of uh delving into as far as trying to do like a character arc is Zelda and And what's her name from the Gerudo tribe, right? No. A little bit more so than the no, I mean like the the um history people. What history people? The people in the past in his memories. You're thinking of Abroso, right? Yeah. She doesn't get any sort of character arc. She's just cool and a badass. What do you mean? I don't know. I guess she's just really tall, so I assumed there was a lot of <laughs> She's tall, so they definitely put like time and attention yeah. into her, right? It's a every flesh out character is always tall. I guess. For instance, Mario's very short and I don't know anything about him. <laughs> yeah, but Bowser's really tall and we know everything about him. Yeah. He wants to marry Princess Peach. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I'm I'm totally behind you now. I, I get what you're saying. As far as Nintendo's concerned, that's what I've noticed in one game. You wouldn't know anything about me if I was in a Nintendo game. Not one thing. Not a single you wouldn't even know my name. Maybe I know Mario's name. You know, that's fair. Anyway. So Zelda's character gets, like, the most attention to, and she starts out, like, super... Oh, she gets more character, like, story than Link does. Yeah. Pretty much all of the flashbacks are centered around him remembering her. Whether or not he was there. (laughs) She's super bitchy. Oh, he was there for all of them, though, wasn't he? Yeah, they were his memories. He had to be there for all of them. Games do that plenty where somebody's like, well, I remember, and then they're remembering something they weren't there for. Or they're remembering in third person for whatever reason. You know how memories work. (laughs) Yeah, like on Persona. Yeah. (laughs) The whole thing's remembered in third person. Yeah, 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 you're right. Also, he's telling really random details that don't make any sense to tell, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 
So you start out with Princess Zelda being super bitchy and like hating you for the sake of hating you, I guess, because she feels really pressured to be the perfect princess and she can't like tap into her powers. And you're just like over here chilling, being the champion. <laughs> you're just a bodyguard. You're the hero, what? and so everyone likes you, and she hates you because you're the hero. Fair enough. You know what, though? They did at least try to explain why Link doesn't talk very much. Because he's mute. No. No. He's just, you know, he feels put under pressure to be perfect because he's the hero, so he has anxiety. So he can't say anything, otherwise it might not <laughs> yeah, be perfect. He has social anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> He has social anxiety, but he has really sassy response options, which I do appreciate that because I have anxiety, but I also have very sassy response options. It makes sense, though. Yeah. Because you would have gone over so many things in your head so often that like, you're not going to give just a yes or no answer anymore because no. you've thought about it for a long time. You're going to say, sailcloth, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the king. To the king, the dead king. You didn't know he was dead yet. Or the king. What? 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 You didn't know he was a king yet either. No, I guess you didn't. He was just a... Crazy, like, wind-sailing guy yeah, at the time. Just a crazy old man telling you what to do, and you're doing it because you want a sailcloth. And because you want to learn how to use your magic powers. You didn't have magic powers yet, did you? Yeah, you could do, like, the magnet thing. Because he starts talking to you when he tells you to go into the, the caves at the beginning where you get all your abilities. I think he talks to you... No, so he tells you before you get that magnet ability, and he's like, I'll give you this if you go get me the treasure in there. And you go in, and that's when you get your your magnetic thing. And then he's like, oh, well, go to the others then. And at the end, was like, ha-ha, I tricked you. I was making you powerful. Ha-ha, I tutorialed you. <laughs> yeah. Another clever tutorial. I guess, as far as tutorials go. As far as having to learn the game without it being like, tutorial, and then... I mean, he wasn't nearly as annoying as, like, say, Navi interrupting everything you do every five seconds at the beginning of the game. Which is the only time that Navi really has irritated me when I went back and played Ocarina of Time. I know that's, like, memed up how annoying she is, but she definitely didn't bother me when I was younger. Like, at all. I just ignored her. As long as you never listened when she told you to listen, yeah, then she just bugged you less and less. The only time it got annoying was when it wouldn't go away and you wanted to look in first person and then you had to listen to her in order to get your first person view back. Hmm. Did you never? Never had to do that. <laughs> I never used the first person mode. I did it to look around sometimes because the camera angle was super limited. And like I sometimes didn't see whatever thing I was supposed to shoot at or, or whatever in like a dungeon so I had to go in first person and look around. I think the only way I ever looked in first person in that game was with the slingshot or the arrow. Other than that I pretty much just whatever the targeting button was and start looking straight again. Yeah. Eyes on the prize in that game. Can you repeat that? Eyes on the prize in that game. <laughs> yeah. But anyway as far as uh, storytelling goes in, in uh, Breath of the Wild I think it was told in an interesting way, and they kind of limited themselves by trying to make it as as open-ended as it could possibly be, which I think you can still tell a linear story in an open-ended world, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can still have, like, trigger points. I don't know. I think the biggest fallback for a lot of open-ended games like that is the, the like, world feeling really empty and... 
they kind of made that make sense by having it be kind of post-apocalyptic. But there were still a lot of people, like um, groups of people dotted around for one reason or another. And a lot of Easter eggs that you could find all over the place with the like collectathons and little tiny bits of lore that you could pick up here and there that made it interesting to run around and a lot of fun. And that was so much more interesting than the story that they were telling. Yeah, I also don't think that it would have been any harm in them just making it so, like, even though you can ex- you can explore the whole entire world, you can go literally anywhere from pretty much the very beginning, with the exception of maybe there's some things you can't climb on. Mm-hmm. But even then, there's like there's like a workaround for literally everything in it, especially now. But it seems like you could have just had like four or five major dungeons that you still had to kind of do in order. Yeah. And they could have told the story in order when you decide to go do that. And it would not have made it feel like, uh, oh, it's so, they put so many restrictions on me and I'm confined to doing this one way. Yeah. Because you would still be able to. You could still make the puzzles you, like solvable in many different ways. Yeah. Not in, not only just that, but like you could do as much of the story as you felt like. And then we got bored of doing that. Then you go back to exploring, which is like, in my opinion, why exploring is fun. Just mm-hmm. to distract you from. If you feel like the story is just kind of dragging on because you didn't you didn't really want to do it anymore. But for whatever reason, you still feel like playing that game. I also think it would have been possible for them to make the linear story while still allowing you to discover the story places. Like, like maybe you had to start in Kakariko Village and then next would be Gerudo Valley or whatever, you know. Um, but you could still discover Gerudo Desert first. It's just whatever story element that you're going to do, there's a block on it. Like some some reason given in the game why you're not ready to do this or maybe something hasn't happened yet. So there isn't anything for you to do yet until you've done the other thing. So you can still like find everything in the world out of order, but the story is still told in a cohesive, straightforward way. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say. I'm just not as... uh. My mind isn't as collected as yours ever, so it's just like, uh, I just need to let this fall out of my mouth until somebody understands it. <laughs> I do that too. I just tend to sound like I'm really confident in what I'm saying when I do it. Mine's always a question form, just in case. Because <laughs> then if it's uh, like a bad idea, then I can be like, you know, it was just a thought. As an aside with all the uh, the like mechanics of the game, not really story related, but that's okay because I feel like these video game conversations have really lacked in talking about the actual storytelling. I wish that, like, I understand based on the story itself why the dungeons looked all the same, but it was really disappointing coming from a history of playing Zelda games to do the first dungeon and being like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then by happenstance doing what is uh, arguably considered the hardest of them and being like, oh, this is this is really interesting, really cool. And then doing the rest and being like, oh, they look the the same. Oh, oh, it's easier. <laughs> oh, this is easier and it looks the same. This is way less interesting. And by the time I got to the fourth dungeon, I was like, yeah, I don't really care about this. And whenever I replayed the game, I looked forward to doing the Divine Beasts the least out of anything in the game. And also, how is it a fully explorable world with literally no caves? There was like a cave. There were like some short cut-ins in the mountains, but there weren't like explorable cave systems. 
There was that one cave that I found where if you got all the horses on top of the rock, you and 11 horses fall inside of the rock. That wasn't a cave. a cave. That was... Cave's inside of a rock. That was a piece of rock jutting out, and then we all fell into it, and it took me like 20 minutes to glitch my way out by hitting a horse and making it freak out and then getting onto it, so I was now outside of the, the glitched part. The cave, yeah. Which was very fun. That was really exciting. <laughs> it's a perfect game. 10 out of 10. No, zero out of 10. You can't pet the dogs. You can play fetch, though. You heard it here. And that's an uh, important story detail, just so everyone knows, is that you can play fetch. So I think what what uh, we're trying to say here in wrapping up is that this game is five out of 10. You can play fetch with the dogs, but you can't pet them. So it's a pretty good summary. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, I think we're done here, folks. And uh, we'll wait for the next Breath of the Wild game to come out. And I'm actually really excited. I had a lot of fun playing Breath of the Wild. I played through it twice or more. I played through it one third of the way and watched it twice. Yep. So it's pretty good. Yep. It's good enough to watch twice. Yeah. So if you have a Switch or a Wii U and you haven't played Zelda and you like any sort of Zelda game or the idea of Zelda games, definitely play it. It was a fun game. So anyway, if you are also a Zelda player, let me know which one your favorite one is. If it's Majora's Mask, then definitely hit me up because I'm always looking for more people who love that game because it's my favorite game ever. Uh, find us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter. Links, as always, are in the description down below. And if you want to join our Discord, just hit us up and we can get you a link. But we will see you guys in the next one. Bye. Relax. Relax. <laughs>